0: Welcome to the U-Turn podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are. And that is why every single week I bring on a guest with tools to really help you long-term, upgrading your confidence, both in your work life and in your love life. And I'm also so grateful to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. They create the highest quality CBD on the market, and it's this trust I have with their brand that has led me to use their products every single day. Everything they make is organically farmed, gluten- free with absolutely no THC in it. And today I want to tell you about one of their game changer products that probably everyone needs, especially when they're having a stressful week and they're on the go and it's called Soul CBD's Dream CBD capsules. Each capsule has 25 milligrams of pure CBD and two and a half milligrams of melatonin. So whenever I travel to a different time zone, these are what allow me to get past the jet lag. I simply take one every night of my travels, about 30 minutes before bed, and it pretty much guarantees me to be able to sleep through the night. And after four to five nights traveling and taking them every night, I'm officially on the new time zone. I also take a dream CBD capsule the night before a really big or important work day. Like if I have a meeting that really matters, a speaking engagement that might be keeping me up in my thoughts all night. What I love about the dream CBD capsules the most is that I never wake up groggy the next day. I'm refreshed. CBD and melatonin truly go together like peanut butter and jelly. So to get your dream CBD capsules now and to be on to better sleeps, Head on over to ashleystallcom slash soul and make sure you use the code U-Turn at checkout for 15% off your order. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L and use the code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get in to this week's episode.
1: A lot of times what can happen when we are in work scenarios where we feel, um, Challenged either mentally or challenged emotionally is that we're just overstretched, so we haven't necessarily taken the time to practice radical self care. And I always like to emphasize here the reason we call it radical self care is that again, it's distinct from the model of self care that we so often hear about on social media channels and in the world, which is pampering. Radical self care is different than pampering, radical self care involves, yes, doing the basics like making sure you're getting good nutrition, moving your body, are you resting enough, are you meditating, but also doing things like organizing your time, you know, being able to, you know, navigate your day effectively and be efficient in terms of time blocking and uh, time management, really thinking ahead in terms of your future financially. So there's a lot more that's involved in radical self-care than just sort of the pampering aspects but fundamentally, what are your daily practices to make sure that your cup is full, that you've you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself before taking care of other people? Are you doing those things?
2: All right, U Turners, you've got your girl Ashley here, and I am with Pega Katkodian, who is an executive coach. Um, She is such a leader when it comes to resilience. And so I thought it'd be really, really fun to talk to her about her seven pillars of resilience, what they are, and how you can use them in the workplace and in your career. Because whether you've gone through a layoff, whether you've been fired, whether you had a really hard feedback conversation, being resilient to me is one of the most powerful indicators of your quality of life. So, um, Pega, thank you so much for making the time to be here with me.
1: I'm so excited to to be here with you Ashley. Thanks for having me. And I'm um, really excited to have this conversation with your community especially right now given the global climates. So I think resilience is a topic that is relevant in so many ways but certainly in the workplace and and navigating what's happening right now.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I know that um you know everybody is there's so many different layers of resilience. You know, whether we feel like um our self-esteem gets poked at in our personal life or our professional life. It's all kind of the same, you know, like the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. I'm I'm curious what got you so interested in resilience as a topic, because I know you probably coach people in so many different things as an executive coach.
1: Yeah. So I I will say, you know, I've, I've done a fair amount of executive coaching just for professionals, you know, in the context of leadership and, communication but resilience is really what is home for me and even in the context of my resilience coaching most of who I serve is you know executives I, I i primarily work with women female executives or entrepreneurs people who are either running someone else's company or running their own company so i bring my executive coaching skills into the conversation around resilience as well but you know, for me, I I think I have to start with my definition of resilience, which is why we call it radical resilience, because it's a completely different take on that word. You know, a lot of times people see resilience as being your ability to, you know, push through and persevere in tough times or to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, keep pushing forward. And for us, that's not really the model. So in my organization and Pega Cody and Radical Resilience is all about uh, redefining resilience as your ability to come back home to the essence of who you are. And so what we mean by that is it's a spiritual and practical approach to coming back home to who you really are so that in the face of adversity or whatever life is throwing at you, be it having your self-esteem poked at or having unexpected turbulence at work or in your personal life, you are effectively unshakable. Because when you know who you are and you can return to that, I always use the metaphor of a palm tree in a hurricane, you can be whipped every which way and you always come back to center. And so what I do with people through the seven pillars of resilience is give them the how-to. There's a lot of conversation about resilience out there, but there's not a lot of actual practical tactical ways of cultivating resilience, both personally and in the workplace. So that's the definition. And as far as why it's important to me, you know, I, I have a pretty interesting origin story. I don't I won't get into too much detail about it. I'll just say that resilience is something that's really embedded in my DNA. I was raised and was influenced by two of the most resilient women I know. And they both have really incredible stories. You know, my mom, single mom being uprooted from her country of origin during the revolution. Uh, I'm Persian. So, you know, in 1979, there was a revolution and my family was uprooted in 81 and transplanted. We had to be refugees in Germany, and then ultimately moved to the states. And my mom was a single parent raising two kids on her own in the midst of all of that. Um, and my aunt, who was unfortunately caught in the crossfires of this situation um, in my country of origin in Iran, and ended up as a political prisoner for five years, and uh, has subsequently completely turned her life around. You know, she moved to the states, got remarried, has had another child. And you would not know from speaking to her that she had had any of those uh, events in her history. So these are women that I got to see and model growing up. And then in my own life, I've, you know, experienced like many people, a lot of adversity. Um, But for whatever reason, I have had to grapple with um, maybe more than my fair share, or I don't know, I think it's all really perfect and aligned. But, you know, I've, uh, I've dealt with everything from, you know, um, sexual abuse as a child, to eating disorders in my teens, to divorce, uh, losing a parent. Um, Gosh, what else? Being fired from a job that I thought was, you know, sort of my dream opportunity. So resilience is something that's always um, been present for me. And then a few years ago, uh, really, I would say six years ago now, I received what you could say is kind of a download that this is my life's work and all of the events of my life have really led to me putting this work out into the world and so I created the seven pillars of resilience by virtue of looking at my own life and the ways in which I had cultivated resilience but beyond that I started to do a lot of research and um, began to implement these seven pillars with my clients and so I have multiple case studies to that really, indicate that this stuff works. Um, additionally, you know, I'm a, a student of positive psychology, and I'm going to be uh, attending Pacifica Graduate Institute here pretty soon. I'm a PhD candidate in depth psychology. So it's it's pretty well researched, this approach, these seven pillars. Um, but that's really why it's so important to me. It's because I, I grew up modeling or or witnessing, you know, resilience and action. And then just by virtue of my own life experiences, I, it was sort of a necessity for me to cultivate this skill.
2: Mm, I love what, you know, I love when you meet people and they have stories that you would have never expected. I think that it's so beautiful that you know what your, you know, like caretakers, your mom, what they're carrying. Like, and I'm also guessing that sometimes that also calls you forward for your own resilience because it's painful to know that your caretaker goes through these different things. Um, for somebody who, like you'd kind of said, you got your dream job, you lost it. Um, let's say that they're just having a hard time at work and they're kind of getting into like a bad attitude, you know, and just not that resilient. Maybe they had like a bad conversation. What would be the first step for them to kind of heal and just start to get into a better relationship with their job. Let's say they're doing great at their job. They just had kind of a bad week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think those are really relevant questions. And what I'll share with you just in terms of my own experience in losing that dream job was it was really the uh, sort of defining moment for me in terms of putting these pillars into action because, uh, it really led to what i call my dark night of the soul and a, a truly transformational year for me after that uh, scenario and i know maybe some of your listeners can relate to that experience of feeling like you're in your dream job or you know just really having that sense of security and then all of a sudden the unexpected happens and there you are without a job and your identity has been so wrapped up in this role or this position and now it's gone you know so what i would say to Those of you, you know, who are are going through a difficult time in your current position, these seven pillars can be used, you know, if you move through these seven pillars, they can be your tool for navigating any scenario, whether it's something small, like having a bad day at work, or something profound, like your job just completely disappeared. And so the first thing to do, you know, is to really spend some time getting clear about who you are and what your purpose is. So this would be the pillar of, um, you know, in in the seven pillars on my website, you'll see it'll say, reclaim your identity, uncover your dharma, which is another way of saying, get really clear on your mission, your vision and your values, right? So if you're at work and uh, you're starting to feel rocked, you got to be clear on what your personal mission statement is, like, why is it that you exist? I mean, it seems like a pretty big question, but what's your personal mission statement? What's your vision for your life? What do you envision for yourself in your life and in this job? So why is this job the job you choose to be in? And then what are your values, which we do a lot of values work with my um, clients and in my organiz- and in organization's And do your values align with that of the company that you're working for? It's really, really important because if our values uh, clash with that of our organization, it can be a very uh, challenging scenario to be in. So, who are you? In other words, what's your mission? What's your vision for your life? And what are your values? Simply put, what's your bigger why, right? So that's the first step if you're really starting to feel rocked. Now, let's say you come up with a really good answer for that. And you're like, okay, I know who I am. Uh, I know why I work here. I know what my vision is for my life. Well, the next thing I would really look at is, are you practicing our very first pillar, which is radical self-care, right? So a lot of times what can happen when we are in work scenarios where we feel, um, challenged, either mentally or challenged emotionally, is that we're just overstretched. So we haven't necessarily taken the time to practice radical self-care. And I always like to emphasize here, the reason we call it radical self-care is that, again, it's distinct from the model of self-care that we so often hear about on social media channels and in the world, which is pampering. Radical self-care is different than pampering. Radical self-care involves, yes, doing the basics, like making sure you're getting good nutrition, moving your body, are you resting enough, are you meditating, but also doing things like organizing your time, you know, being able to, you know, navigate your day effectively and be efficient in terms of time blocking and uh, time management, really thinking ahead in terms of your future financially. So there's a lot more that's involved in radical self-care than just sort of the pampering aspects but fundamentally what are your daily practices to make sure that your cup is full that you've you know put the oxygen mask on yourself before taking care of other people are you doing those things and then mm. from there you know after the radical self care is in place like let's say you're like yeah i'm taking really good care of myself you know there's other more in depth work that can be done so just to kind of move through each of the pillars if that's okay right i would say you know there's there's the next pillar which if you're working with me individually and personally we call that healing the heart but inside of an organization we would look at what needs to be healed in the business right or even in a relationship that's not working in your work dynamic right so let's say you're having problems with your boss or another colleague is sort of doing the healing work there that needs to be done and there's certainly some very practical tools in place as far as how to navigate communications and, you know, set boundaries and ask for what you need and things of that nature inside of that pillar. Uh, And then another one is, you know, the the unconditional acceptance piece, which is really learning how to be with um, the emotions that come up for us when we are challenged. So let's say you are experiencing you know, emotions at work or you're experiencing emotions because you've been laid off or whatever the scenario might be for you rather than denying that those emotions are there or doing what a lot of people call spiritual bypassing, which is just to go, no, no, everything's okay and put on a happy face is how do we learn to sit with those emotions? Cause they're real for us, process those emotions in a way that is productive and allow those emotions, because ultimately emotions are just energy and motion to process and move up and out of the body so that we can think more clearly, right? So that's the unconditional acceptance piece is going, all right, how do I sit in my emotions, be with those, allow them to move through me, learn from them, whatever it is? Maybe they're trying to highlight for me that I'm ignoring, or uh, maybe I'm just not seeing something that the emotion is highlighting for me. So that's that piece. Then we move to the pillar of connection and community, which, you know, we find ourselves right now really challenged um, as far as how we can continue to cultivate connection and community in a space of being isolated, you know? So a lot of us maybe are working from home because of the uh, quarantine uh, guidelines or COVID-19, you know, or maybe you just work from home because that is your your general uh, model, so, how do we cultivate connection and community in that way? Well, there's some real tactical things that you can do to maintain uh, connection with your team. You know, so not only doing Zoom meetings to make sure that you are hitting your marks and performing, and you know, making sure the deliverables are there, but also creating time and space to connect with the members of your team and your community, just to see how you're doing. Right. So, Simon Sinek calls this a huddle. Um, you can call it whatever you want, but the intention of it is, you know, you hop on a Zoom call and you just go around um, and each person just shares what they're present to in terms of how they're feeling. The intention is not to fix it or, you know, um, you know, do anything, but really just to give people the container to vent. But it creates a deep level of connection because people have the opportunity to be vulnerable with one another and it helps to enhance trust. Um We move from connection and community to cultivating creativity, which is really key. This is the next pillar of resilience. What are you doing to exercise your creative juices? You know, inside of your job, do you have the opportunity to be creative, to innovate? Um, And if not that, because maybe your job doesn't lend itself to that, where and how can you bring creativity into your life? Because we are creative beings. That's how we are hardwired. We are meant to create. So what does that look like? Well, it doesn't have to look the way we think it has to look. It doesn't have to be, "Oh, I'm creating art or I'm singing and dancing." Your expression of creativity could be anything. Maybe you like to cook, maybe you like to garden, maybe you like to, you know, sit down and create beautiful spreadsheets, you know, whatever that is for you. Are you exercising creativity? And then finally, the last pillar, the seventh pillar is joy as a daily spiritual practice. How this relates in the workplace is are there things about your job and in the workplace that bring you joy? And if not, what are those things? If, if you have not identified Yay. those things, can you take some time to identify them? Can you sit there and go, okay, um, these aspects of my job really bring me joy or these aspects of my organization really bring me joy. I'm going to practice those things every day as though it's my spiritual practice. Um and if your job doesn't lend itself to that, then to ask yourself, what are the things that bring me joy in my life, and am I doing those things? So when I get home from work, um, if it brings me joy to walk on the beach and run my toes through the sand, am I giving myself time and space to do that? If I get joy from you know taking some time to pet my cat or dog, like do I actually carve out dedicated time for those things? And now this can also cross over into things like your your creative practices, right? But really getting deliberate with those joy practices. And what I found is when you run through each one of these seven pillars, you know, you can do that in any context, whether it's like, oh, I'm going to work on these pil- pillars in a big grand scale, or I'm going to run through each one of these pillars in a, in a specific scenario where I feel uh, frazzled or challenged. Um, it's a game changer. It's, it really gives you the f- inner fortitude that you need and the resilience that you need um, to, to persevere.
0: Hey U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our really good friends over at Organifi. And what I absolutely love about them as a company is that their products are perfect for someone like me who has a busy schedule, but really wants her nutrients on the go. It can be really hard to set that time aside to do the juicing or eat your greens. And that is why I've particularly fallen in love with their green juice powder. This powder has become something I just throw into my protein shake to make sure I'm getting my greens on. And oddly, I've gotten so into it that now I'm throwing it into my morning coffee with a nut milk, which somehow is making my coffee taste like a peppermint coffee. No idea how that happened but truly even if I had the time to juice vegetables or make massive salads I don't always love that taste of the dark leafy greens their green juice powder is packed with superfoods like moringa chlorella mint beetroot matcha wheatgrass ashwagandha turmeric so much more. I always give myself a little pat on the back when I throw a scoop of their green juice powder into my day. So if you want to give their green juice powder a try, I can't recommend it enough. Head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's organif dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and make sure you use that U-Turn code at checkout for 20% off. And if you're weird like me and you throw some green juice powder into your coffee with your nut milk, please send me a DM on the gram and let me know what you think of my little concoction. All right, now let's get back to this week's episode. Mm, Okay. So for those of you note takers, it sounds
2: like you, number one was self-care, which I have so many questions about. Number two is reclaiming your identity or uncovering your dharma or your mission. Number three was unconditional acceptance. Number four was healing the hurt. Number five was community and connection. Number six is cultivating creativity. And number seven is joy as a daily practice. I have a couple questions. Um, about number five, community and connection. You talked about Simon Sinek and doing the huddle. And one of, I think the most dodgy and and dicey areas when it comes to connection and community is making sure you don't overshare in the workplace. Mm, I mean, there's a fine line between um, being connected and sharing what you're going through and then people seeing you as unprofessional and you not getting a raise that year because you came to the huddle and like spilt too many beans, you know? Yeah, it's definitely, it's
1: definitely a fine line. And I guess I'm going to refer to, you know, sort of my mentor and teacher around that topic of conversation who, you know, which is Brene Brown. Um, you know, she really speaks eloquently to the difference between, you know, empathy and, and, and vulnerability and, and trust, and then just oversharing. Right. There are very few people I think that get to, um, be in your innermost circle and, and really get to, uh, you know, earn that trust of knowing the depths of what's going on with you, right? So this is not, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not suggesting that you get in a huddle and you use it as an opportunity for therapy, right? It's not therapy, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. what I am suggesting is that when we are honest with our colleagues around what, what our experience really is, it provides us an opportunity to deepen our connection and trust. So what that might look like is, you know, I'm experiencing some anxiety right now. I'm experiencing some, some real fear around what's going on. And, you know, we don't know what, um, one day is, you know, from one day to the next, we don't know what the the next development is going to be in this. And so what I'm present to right now is my sense of anxiety and my sense of fear. Um, I'm present to the fact that uh, my kids are at home, and uh, that makes it difficult for me to focus because they're demanding my attention. Mm. So I'm I'm present. This is like this is just the verbiage that you can use. I'm really present to the fact that um, I'm grateful to have time with uh, to have more dedicated time with my family, and that although it's a it's a forced quarantine, you know, um, it's a real opportunity for me to deepen my connections with my family. So really, what you're doing is you're saying. Here's what my experience is, right? And what that allows is, you know, for us to see, oh, we're not alone in this, right? What you don't want to do in a huddle is be like, oh my god, I'm so freaked out, I'm so scared, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And it's like, uh, okay, now we're kind of like spinning out. So it's like you want to come at it from the from the space of a calm share, right? Like I'm really just calmly sharing with you what I'm present to, um, and I'm not you know, spinning out emotionally and expecting the, the group to take care of me.
2: Mm, great. This is really, really helpful information. And I am, um, you talked about cultivating creativity. And so I was, I would love some like g- grounded, actionable practices that maybe you can recommend that are working for you or that you see doing A lot for people um, to kind of start creating more creativity because I know that all of us are naturally creative and sometimes we just don't tap into that or we block it. Like what are some ways that people can start to get creative, whether they're trying to figure out what their Dharma is and they're feeling really stuck or, and they just need some creative energy, or maybe they just want to break up their routine and, and, and just kind of shift the quality of their life. Like what are some practices or um, approaches that you have to generate that sort of creativity?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, as we grow up, right? And um you know, we as as children, let's start here. As children, we have such an incredible sense of play, at least hopefully. We have some sense of play, we have such a sense of imagination. And as we get older and we're expected to take on, you know, the responsibilities of life, we lose touch with our sense of play. And so the first thing I would say is, what does it look like for you? It's the question I would ask myself. What does play look like for you? And if you're somebody who hasn't given yourself time or permission to play, that might be a really foreign notion for you. Right? It's like, I don't know what play looks like for me. Well, start exploring different ways that you used to play when you were a kid. Right? How mm-hmm. did you play as a kid? Did you like to draw? Did you like to make believe? So if you liked to make believe and and play dress up, I mean, could you sign up for an improv class? I mean, I get it. You know, right now we're, we're uh, a bit limited in terms of some of the things that we can do. I mean, you know, but if you are somebody who was like in high school choir and you loved to sing, um, can, can you start singing at home? I mean, can you just put on music and give yourself that space and that time to sing, even if it's just in the shower? I mean, I have a, a background in the performing arts and for years, you know, I, i I haven't been in that industry, but I still give myself the space to do some of those things for myself that I love to do. I sing every day, you know, I love to dance. And so part of what I did in terms of my commitment to my creative outlet was to take a dance class, right? So I started taking salsa classes because that's not a, a form of dance that I was ever really trained in. And there's mm. some online resources right now for things like that. Um, you know but you could do things like get an adult coloring book and give you know just take some time to like sit with you know colored pencils and and color um mm-hmm. you know maybe you used to love to do something that you just don't do anymore so is it cooking right do you love to cook mm-hmm. is it gardening can you get outside and just play with flowers you know so it doesn't have to be all this there doesn't have to be so much fuss about it you certainly don't have to like um work hard at it it's it, the question to ask yourself is what does play look like to me
2: mm. 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 And if somebody is struggling with clarity or like, how do you determine as an executive coach where you kind of think to yourself, you know what, this person, they don't need to improve this or that they're just in the wrong job. Because I think a lot of people are beating themselves up in the workforce thinking like, man, I need to get better at X or Y. It's kind of like dating, like, oh, we just got to get better at this. Eventually you kind of get clear. It's like, oh no, we're, we're just the wrong match. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's great. So I think that's an excellent question. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a great, I I bring this into organizations when we talk about coaching individuals, right? So, you know, a lot of times we talk about coaching an individual up or out. In other words, coach them first, rather than, you know, just saying, all right, you're not performing, you're out of here. But from the perspective of being the individual who doesn't feel like they're performing, you know it may very well just be that you're in a position that's not a match for you and i i talk about the zones of of genius like are you in your zone of genius are you doing the thing that that you are most gifted at doing where you get to you lose all sense of time and you're just in the flow and it could just very well be that you're underperforming because the job's not a fit for you so how do we find that clarity well There are ways in which you can begin to explore like where are my strengths right so what are the things that i'm really good at i mean there's certainly so many tools out there like strength finder and different personality assessments that can give you some guidance right certainly things like the disc um the disc profile yeah the disc profile is a personality assessment tool that lets you know what your personality tendencies are. Um, you know whether you're a, a dominant personality. You know whether you're an innovator. Uh, maybe you. Uh, you know, so there's just different. There's just different categories. But the one I like the best um, because it's a tool that goes uh, far beyond just personality typing and lends itself to more personal growth and spiritual growth is the Enneagram. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are hearing more and more about the Enneagram these days, because it's yeah. just becoming popular. But it's an incredible way to get to understand yourself better, to understand your personality and why it is that you do the things that you do. And the from, perspective, from the perspective of business, it gives you a little bit of insight as to the kinds of Jobs or roles that you could be doing that might that might be a better fit for you, you know. So, Mm -hmm. or you know, if you're an enneagram, I don't know. Let's let's just use an example. Four. (laughs) Okay, so you're an enneagram four. You know, you're you're probably not gonna be real happy in a job where you are being asked to crunch a bunch of numbers and um, plug things into spreadsheets. Right, because mm-hmm. you need more uh, flexibility. You need you need more creativity. You need more independence and a, and a way to feel like you are being your authentic self and you're really self expressed. So, it's not really going to be the job. Like being an accountant is probably not going to be the thing for you. Right. So when we understand ourselves better, either through things like the Enneagram or the disk assessment or um, any personality, you know, typing system that's out there, we can begin to align ourselves with positions that are a better fit for us. And so, yes, if you find yourself in a position where you're like underperforming or you're unsatisfied. It could be that your personality or the fit or your natural gifts are just not being used because you're in the wrong position, the wrong job. And, or you're just not clear on what your bigger purpose is, right? So, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that we all quit our jobs and go out there and, and find our, um, you know, and, and, and like find our thing and, and go do that, right? I mean, you can begin to explore those things inside of what your current position already is. So even if you are working at a job, but maybe you've always had a dream of, X, Y, or Z, how can you begin to start exploring that? How can you begin to start bringing that into your life so that even if your job becomes your side hustle while you're building your dream, you're at least putting some energy into that thing that is maybe your higher calling, your bigger purpose.
2: Mm, Beautiful. Okay. And when you were talking about the DISC assessment, is it spelled like a record DISC, like D-I-S-K? Yeah, it's actually D I S C.
1: So, um, and each of the letters, uh, represent something. So each of the letters represent a different personality type. So, mm-hmm. for and you know, there are, are assessments out there that are paid. You can do, you can do, I think Tony Robbins might offer a free, uh, disc assessment through his, uh, uh, website. I'm not sure. Sometimes he's, he offers that for free. But, you know, like it, it gives you a percentage because we all have all four of those things in us, but it just gives you sort of the the scale of where you are with that. So, for example, I'm a high I and, you know, the next thing for me is a D. So I's are very dynamic. They're innovative. They're out there. Um, you know, they're they're people, people. I's are the ones that you want out there, uh, you know, networking and creating relationships, right? Cause they're dynamic. They love to interact with people and they innovate. D's mm-hmm. are high dominance, right? So these are people who like to get things done. And they often, you know, if you've ever heard of the book, ready, fire, aim, your D's are, are that that's their mentality. Like you ready, fire, aim, like you go and then you deal with the consequences later. You know, each of these things obviously has their pluses and minuses. Um, And then, you know, you have S's, which are, you know, more stable. They're your steady eddies. They're really great at like customer service and making sure that um, your clients or customers are taken care of. And then your high C's. Are your compliance people? These are the folks that you do want crunching numbers and you know making sure your spreadsheets are taken care of and you know highly detail oriented people who are dotting the i's, crossing the t's, and making sure everything is done uh, appropriately. So again, the disc assessment is a wonderful tool um, for an individual, you know, in a professional setting to get a sense of who they are and where they would best fit inside of a, a. an organization, in terms of what job they would do, the Enneagram, another great tool that that is wonderful both for understanding your personality, but also for you know going deeper in terms of your own personal development and certainly spiritual development, because the Enneagram has its roots in you know ancient perennial wisdom. And certainly, there are books I can recommend to your readers if they want to explore um, that more deeply as well.
2: What would be your favorite book um, on personality, even if it's Enneagram or anything?
1: I would say as far as the Enneagram goes, my favorite books are The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Russ Hudson and Don Riso, who created the Enneagram Institute. That's sort of like the living Bible for all people who are into the Enneagram. I'm a big fan of Beatrice Chestnut's work, and she wrote the book The Complete Enneagram, which really gets into the subtypes. And then my most recent favorite is a book by Chris Horowitz called The Sacred Enneagram, which does take on a bit more of a spiritual slant in terms of uh, the Enneagram. And then, you know, there's obviously the book Strength Finders in terms of that aspect of things. Um, I'm a really big fan of uh, Gay Hendrick's work. Um, Mm So this isn't a personality typing system, but the big leap is where I got the notion of the different zones, right? So the zone of genius, zone of excellence, zone of competence, zone of incompetence, where you can begin to explore you know what are those things that are in your zone of genius um versus the things that you're doing that might just be your zone of competence and somebody else might be way better off doing that
2: mm i love this this has been so helpful. Where can everybody find you, follow you? All of yeah, the things.
1: Awesome. All of the things. So, a um, couple different ways. Uh, obviously, you can find me on the various social media channels. On Instagram, my handle is pega k underscore radical underscore resilience. Um, on Facebook, obviously, you can just find my personal page. The radical resilience page is just pega cadcodian radical resilience um we're launching a podcast Radical Resilience the podcast um so definitely check that out you can already subscribe on Spotify. So, if you, uh, what I can do, uh, Ashley, is give you that link to share with your readers where folks can go to that link, basically uh, listen to the episodes that are there, um, and then hit the RSS feed and subscribe from there if they want to be a part of that community. There's a Facebook group called Radical Resilience, um, the Facebook group. So, people can certainly join the conversation there. Uh, My website is really simple. It's just coachpega.com. So that's, you know, the word coach, my name, Pega, which is P-E-G-A-H.com. If they want to uh, uh, download a free ebook that's available for them on my website so they can get into the uh, pillars of resilience a little bit more in depth from there. So those are all of the things.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody feel free to tag her, let her know what you learned. And thanks again for
0: being here.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Ashley. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. Big shout out with so much gratitude to our sponsor, SaneBox. If email has become a soul-crushing distraction for you, then you need Sanebox. Their artificial intelligence easily syncs with your email and monitors your inbox, putting spammy emails you don't want into a separate folder beneath your inbox and sent folder, and it spares you from hours of endless time deleting emails that you never really wanted or should have gotten. This has been such a game changer for my productivity. And if you know just how email folders work, then you pretty much know how SaneBox works. Find an email in the wrong folder, you can just move it. There's really nothing to learn, nothing to install. SaneBox works directly with every single email server or service that has ever been created. Head on over to www.sanebox.com U-turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free as well as a $25 credit for a serious discount on their super affordable membership. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, AshleyStall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com. Thanks again for listening, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.